Well, good evening, and thank you so much uh, for having me. Thank you for your welcome. My name is Fiona, uh, and I live in Bangor in North Wales with my husband, JP, and we are members at Ebenezer Evangelical Church. Um, but my roots are down here in Pembrokeshire, um, actually, so I've not come far today because I've come from Pembrokeshire. Well, I've recently begun working here in the UK for the Albanian Evangelical Mission, and I believe you've heard from them a little in the past. So I'm here to encourage you uh, from the work, from what the Lord is doing over in Albania. Well, the Albanian Evangelical Mission exists to support churches and church work in Albanian-speaking lands. So not just Albania, also North Macedonia and Kosovo as well. So Albanian-speaking lands. Although this evening, uh, we will just focus in a little on Albania. And one of the first things that people ask me is, what is Albania like? What's it like? Well, this picture tells you everything. I took this picture from the roof of my friend's apartment uh, just last November. Beautiful November day, wasn't it? Look at how beautiful Albania is. Just look at that exhibit of God's creation. Look at the foreground. The foreground tells you uh, of the economic difference that there is uh, compared to Western Europe. Life in Albania is tough. It is hard. And we'll think a little bit about what that means for the church um, this evening. Well, um, in order to do that, we're just going to think about uh, the work of the church in three different places. A place called Jurakasta down there in the south near the Greek border, and a little bit further north in a little place called Memelii, and then the town uh, of Bausch. Well, Jurakasta is, is a city. It's really of a similar size to Llanelli. So we can think about uh, what Llanelli is like and how many churches there are there. We're probably familiar with, with a few. Here in Jurakasta, uh, there is a church of around 30 believers that meet on the Lord's Day, an evangelical church. Uh, and in terms of other Christian witness, uh, there is a charismatic church where 10 believers will meet. So there's a big difference between Llanelli and Jurakasta, isn't there? Big difference. Well, of course, some of that difference is historical, isn't it? Who can remember the 90s when Albania opened up? Some of you might remember the early 90s. Albania opened up from being the world's first communist state. It was estimated that in 1991, there were fewer than 20 Christians in the whole of Albania. The whole of Albania. Albania is roughly the same land area and population as Wales. And there were fewer than 20 Christians. It's astonishing, isn't it? Well, the Lord has worked, and now that estimate is between 15 and 20,000. Isn't that wonderful? You know, if 500 people a year were being saved in Wales, we'd notice, wouldn't we? Probably. Well, 
One of the places that the Lord has worked is Duracaster and the small church there. And the church rents this building. It's in a super location. I took this photo in November. It was typical November weather then. But my back is to the main street. It's right at the top of the main street. And that basement room is where young people go and hang out. And the young men come in and they chat. And not so long ago, a young man was saved. And he attends the local, like a further education college. He's brought all his friends along. And they heard the gospel. And now they're studying the scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? Well, another common factor in Albanian churches is the ladies' meetings. These are so encouraging. Up and down Albania, there are ladies' meetings like this one here on the left. Many of these are unbelievers. The Christians bring along their friends and neighbours because it's a friendly place to meet and hear the, hear the gospel. It's a wonderful opportunity. Later this year in the spring, there'll be, Lord willing, a ladies' conference just for southern Albania, and around 80 women will go just to hear the scriptures being taught. What an encouragement the Lord has worked. Well, the church there in Jiracaster is led by two elders, and you can see the elders and their wives here on the right. Uh, the guy uh, at the top there with his wife is Patrit. He was saved as a teenager in the 90s. He's grown in the Lord and now he's an elder in the church there. The guy on the right there at the bottom is James. He's a missionary from Brighton uh, and he married an Albanian lady called Laurie. I think we can particularly pray for the leadership there. It, it would seem like maybe the Lord is moving James on. And it would really be a wonderful thing if the Lord could raise up another elder there to work alongside Patrit. Well, the next place we're going to visit is this town called Memelii. Stunningly beautiful location, isn't it? I'm not a very good photographer. I don't need to be. Isn't it beautiful? Well, in 10 years, the population of Memelii has halved. It's halved. It's gone from 6,000 to just under 3,000. We would notice, wouldn't we, if that happened in our towns and villages. When I visited Albania in November, I visited several times over the last five or six years. All of the church workers and missionaries that I spoke to, you know, I asked, what are your challenges? And what are your encouragements? Every single one of them, without fail, said that depopulation is the biggest challenge. The young people leave for university, for work, and they never come back. And that means that the teachers and the doctors and the nurses also end up leaving. And it's Memelii is, if you like, a quintessential example of that effect. Well, you ask, what effect does that have in the church? It means that those young people who are saved through the work of the church 
And there are. In this little church in Memelii, here's the pastor, Geni, on the left there. Over the last 20 years or so, maybe 30 to 50 people have been saved through the work of this church. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord has worked. But the church hasn't grown. So the Lord has worked. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. And you can understand, can't you, that there's a real potential for some discouragement there. Well, this is, this is Geni, as I've said, on the left there. And on the right, you can see Geni. Uh, and next to Geni is the children's worker called Alma. And next to Alma is Nikki, Geni's wife. Alma is a popular name in Albania. But everyone in Memelii knows Alma as Alma Church. She's so well known amongst the children and their parents for her testimony to the Lord and her faithful teaching. You can't walk through Memelii when the schools have just finished. You can't walk through Memelii with Alma. You won't get anywhere. All the children are greeting her, are talking to her, giving her a hug. She's so well known. She's faithfully taught the children there. And again, wonderful location. The Lord's provided this building. My back is to the front door of the church. It's right by the town square. Isn't that a great location? Everyone knows where they can come to church. Everyone in town knows where they can come to church. So remember, this is a town, half the size of Kladach, roughly, maybe a little smaller even. The children's club on the left hasn't really started yet. That's only about half of them. This is the teenage girls Bible study on the right. Every week, half a dozen or so teenage girls come and study the scriptures. There's a teenage boys group as well. Wouldn't we be thrilled if this was happening in our churches? It's happening here. The Lord is working. And um, I had the privilege of teaching the teenage girls Bible study when I was there. Uh, one of this, this young lady in the front here, uh, she speaks fluent English. It's remarkable. But just through the process of being able to teach that Bible study, I could see their scriptural knowledge. They have a real foundation in the scriptures that they've been taught through the work of the church there. The Lord is working, isn't it wonderful? And they take the knowledge of the scriptures, and if the Lord saves them, they go on. And they take the gospel with them to wherever they end up in the future. Very different to when there were 20 believers in 1991 in the whole of Albania. Well, a different picture emerges in this town called Balsh. You know, when Albania opened up in the 1990s, there was a flood of missionaries. There was a real fresh opportunity. And there was a lot of religious curiosity. And very quickly, a church of around 70 people sprung up in this town called Balsh. It's a little, little bigger than Kladach. It's got a little oil refinery. There's some employment there. But the, the church actually really died off. Well, as a mission, we came alongside um, a man who lives in a, 
a town about half an hour away. And he does some children's work every week there on uh, a Saturday. Here he is on the right. He's a man called Paulin, and he faithfully works and runs a children's club there in Balsh. And on the left, you can see a Bible study. This is a weekly adult Bible study that's taking place. And the pastor from Memelii, he takes the Bible study. Balsh is crying out for a missionary couple to go there. It really is. It's crying out for a missionary couple, Albanian or foreign, to go there and work with this small group of believers uh, and take the gospel uh, to that town and the surrounding villages. And so this really is, is, if you like, a little picture of what rural Albania, which is really everywhere outside the capital, Tirana, it's a picture of what the church in Albania is like. Wonderful encouragements. We would notice, wouldn't we, in Wales, if 500 people a year were being saved. <laughs> and there are tremendous challenges that go with that. Well, as a mission, uh, we also have a literature operation. Of course, our desire is for an independent church in Albania. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And one of the ways uh, that we seek to go about that is by producing good literature in Albania. And this is Stuart Oliot's commentary on Daniel. And this has been translated into Albanian. Uh, this is Ian McNaughton and Paul Taylor's book on Darwin and Darwinism, a day one book. Um, and this has been translated into Albanian. We're seeking to resource and equip the church there to build up the believers and teach them and uh, the current literature project is the second volume of Nick Needham's church history series. So that's in progress uh, at the moment. Well, uh, there's plenty of things to pray for. There's plenty of things to pray for. Um, and we can praise God, can't we, for the growth of churches in Albania. What a difference from the early 90s. What a difference. And we can praise God for the ongoing opportunities among young people. I mean, there's nothing else to do, so all these children come to the children's clubs. It's just wonderful. Um, but there is a real need to pray for encouragement and wisdom as migration uh, continues. Brain drain is a real thing. Those who grow up in the church, who are perhaps natural leaders, they're also those who are likely to succeed abroad, perhaps. And they're under tremendous pressure from their families to go abroad, get a good job and send money home. And it takes a real sacrifice to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay and serve here in the church. And one of the things we can praise God for is the emergence of second-generation Christians. That's a wonderful thing as well, isn't it? Those who've grown up in Christian homes whom the Lord has saved. We can pray for gospel workers to go to that town called Balsh. It's crying out. Every time I go there, I think, oh, it's just crying out for a missionary couple to go there. 
and also for the nurturing and growth of Albanian church leaders, simply because, you know, there's no Albanian believer who's been a believer for more than 30 years. And so those older statesmen of the gospel, if you like, well, in terms of Albanians, they're not really there yet because 30 years is not really that long. And so we really do need to pray uh, for the nurturing and growth of Albanian church leaders, and in particular, um, the leadership in the church in Duracaster. Uh, we can pray for the ongoing literature project there, Nick Needham's uh, yeah, 2,000 Years of Christ's Power, the first volume. I believe the first volume that was done uh, was on the Reformation period. And every year, of course, there's been a gap, hasn't there, with COVID. But every year, AEM runs conferences and camps. The ladies' conference coming up is exciting. But there are camps as well for teenagers and children in the summer. And because it's not possible to go into schools in Albania, the schools um, are... There's no such thing as a school assembly, if you like, and religion is not allowed in schools... There's a way to reach children through running English camps. And these are really popular. Come on an English camp, learn English through teaching children the gospel uh, and have you know, time away from their families in the summer. And it's a great opportunity. So camps are happening this year. It's great. And so we can, we can pray for those as well. Well, as Nathaniel said... We produce a newsletter every six months. If you would like to receive this by email, then please do sign up. I can also post you some as well, if you would like. And there is a monthly prayer update as well. Uh, and you can receive this also by email uh, or by post. Uh, and there's ways to sign up uh, on the table at the back there. Uh, if you are online then the way to sign up can i do this yeah the way to sign up is to go to our website and go to the contact page so if you're online uh, and you can't access the table at the back of the room uh, then go to the contact page on our website can i answer any questions Yeah, it's a good question. So as a mission, uh, we have uh, roughly between seven and ten. It's not a defined number, simply because there are some folk who we support entirely. There are also some folk who we support partially. And there are some churches who we support in terms of maybe um, helping with the rent for their building and so on. Uh, so it's not an easily defined number, but it's that order of magnitude. Yeah. Somebody once asked me, how many churches are there in Albania? Um, and if we were to ask that question, how many, how many churches kind of like, like ours, like, you know, like ours here, here this evening and similar like-minded churches? It's around 20. 
Uh, it's around 20. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? There's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, any other questions? Oh yeah, thank you. I, I maybe should have said this earlier. As a church, um, our church up in North Wales, we uh, support the work in Memolii, where uh, the man called Geni is the minister. Uh, and so just through our connections there, about five or six years ago, I started to go to Albania to visit the folk in Memolii. Um, and I've just developed a friendship and a connection with several of the workers out there and as others in AEM were retiring, approaching retirement, there just became a need for somebody uh, to visit churches, particularly in Wales and the west of England. Uh, so that's sort of my area, Wales and the west of England, and uh, producing things like this <laughs> as well. Thank you. Uh, so, any more questions? Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I've already filtered those. Yes, yes, yeah, so yeah, those are already filtered. <laughs> yes. And and of course, as you say, that that town of Balsh was classic. You know, there was um quickly a church gathering of around 70 believers, uh, but then there, you know, there isn't one now. And much of that, it seems, with hindsight, was just religious curiosity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems exponential. It certainly hasn't been linear over those 30 years. Hmm. Yeah, good, good question. So there isn't really another main religion. I think Albania sort of maybe has um, a reputation for being a Muslim country, but, but it, it really isn't in practice. Um, that is, if you like, a hangover from the Ottoman Empire. And families were effectively told that if they called themselves Muslims, then they didn't have to pay as much tax. Um, and so there's a kind of historical thing going on there. There's another religion called Bektashi, which is an odd combination of Islam and Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, and Eastern Orthodoxy is kind of there in the background. There are little shrines along the side of the road. But there isn't any opposition, meaningfully, no. There really isn't. Uh, and there certainly isn't any state opposition, uh, not at all. And... Um, no, it is, it is an open opportunity for the gospel, really. It's wonderful in that sense. Uh, I mean, one of the, I think, more grievous aspects of daily life is, is the corruption uh, that anybody engaging in any kind of bureaucracy comes up against. And so that's really difficult for Christians to maintain their integrity. Um, so it's not, if you like direct opposition in that sense it's just a real challenge yeah and there's no sort of state church either 
Yeah, the churches are genuinely independent. Yeah, thank you. Any, uh, any other questions? No? Thank you. Um, shall I leave the prayer items there, or are, you going to go, are we going to go back, go back to them? Okay, super. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll put these on the table at the back. If you'd like to just take a look at them, they'll be there for you to, to see. Thank you. Thank you very much, Fiona. It's, uh, it's great to hear how the Lord is working in Albanian lands. Um, uh, here at Bethel, we, we love to hear about how God is working in, in uh, other places and, and to pray for God's work among the nations. Um, just before we come to turn, turn to God in, in prayer and to pray about some of those things that... Uh, um, Fiona's been talking about. Um, if, you, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to John chapter 1. Um, just, uh, just to look at one verse. Um, John chapter 1, verse 12. As we're hearing about people becoming Christians in, in Albania... Uh, it's good to remember that they are, even though we don't know them, we've never met them, uh, they are our brothers and sisters because we have the same Heavenly Father. And the reason we have the same Heavenly Father is because Jesus, uh, because of Jesus. So I'll, I'll read from verse 11. Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. I don't know about you, but often I, I can read something like that, and because it's so familiar, the, the amazing weight and, and uh, marvel of, of that truth kind of goes, goes by. But to be able to say that we are children of God... That God is our Father. That we are brothers and sisters of, of those people in Albania who have come to the Lord, who are working in those churches. I don't know if uh, when you were little you ever had one of those uh, uh, conversations where you like to brag about your dad Oh, my, my dad's so great. Oh, my dad's better than yours. Well, my dad can lift up a, a, a bicycle in one arm. Well, my dad can lift up two bicycles with one arm. Well, we can say, my dad put the stars into space. My dad put the sun in the sky. My dad made those beautiful mountains in Albania. What a wonderful thing it is to be called children of God. 